0: This morning gives some uh, instructions on reflection and mindfulness. Reflection is the quality of, of, of what wise, wise attention. Uh, it includes things like uh, focusing on one particular point and getting a reading of it, considering it. This doesn't have to be uh, abstract speculation, it's more the kind of uh, thinking process that occurs whenever you are you, uh, tasting something, or you, you, you're, so you, you check something out, or you, you're drawing something and you, when you look at it, what does that look like, is that right? Is that? Reference <clears throat> and the quality of mindfulness is like a a pinpointing of attention so like putting that reflective quality, reflective capacity onto one point like the point in the body or point in feeling, a particular physical feeling mind and uh, so the exercises that we we practice you have these what are called the four foundations of mindfulness the four places the four places that you you establish it you you put it and say the first is body second is feeling third is mind or awareness and the fourth is the processes that the mind uh, works in the uh, patterns of awareness, and uh, so this this whole way is, is a kind of an analytical way. That is, it tends towards um, breaking up what seems to be compounded into a single entity, me, or the world, into into discrete. Uh, categories, and this is a, instead of me, what do you mean by me, do you mean body or do you mean uh, um, the particular feelings that are occurring or the qualities of awareness, consciousness, mind consciousness or all the kind of stuff that's happening in there. With these all being bound together then it's very difficult to, to penetrate it. Because we, uh, we always have an assumption, example, just about our body as being you know, some kind of absolute thing that we have and are, and that means your your attention is always biased in that way. To uh, wanting the body to to feel good, look good, be good. Uh, so the the. Body, when it's held as, as one thing, as a kind of entity that, be- that it belongs to somebody, and it's very difficult to get any objectivity about it, with the power of mindfulness, then you you're noticing actually, in in the present moment, what what does what is the body? What is body to you as you actually experience it? So the process of mindfulness is really non-conceptual. It's direct. It's actually putting that reflective attention onto uh, a direct experience such as, and, and in terms of the body it gets very simple. Your direct experience of the body in the body is generally something like warmth, pressure, movement, flow, what is what actually experienced. Or the concept, or you may even experience the concept of the body directly, which is a a mental state, such as uh, my body feels sick, I don't feel very well, I'm tall, I'm fat, um, big, small. That's that's the that's a conception, that's a concept of the body, isn't it? And you can experience that directly. When you look at that, you experience that, and then you say the body is in the mind. Um, so you're looking really at the, the mind the mind processes, the mental mental activities, much as worry, fear, uh, need, fascination, these kind of uh, mind states. But you're always trying to look, actually recognise what directly you're experiencing. And uh, so you have these four foundations, body, feelings, uh, awareness or mind and mental processes. And you can generally reckon that whenever it, what you're experiencing comes up as as me, then the, the foundation of mindfulness is not established. So, when you think, like, oh, my body, my mind's in a state, my mind's a real mess, or <coughs> uh, I don't feel so good today, then this is a sign actually that your, your attention, you have to refocus because you won't, all that will happen in that state is you'll get obsessed, you get caught, you get into a trap you're not actually experiencing things directly, you're experiencing things through the concept of self. And with that comes fear, comes need, comes agitation, comes conceit of one kind or another. And maybe this is where where, there might be distinction here between, say, the practice of mindfulness and, and therapy. You look at you work in a different way. Here you're looking at things very du- very directly. So if it, if it comes up as, uh you know my body's in a mess today, well that okay you translate that into what? You come back to the feeling of of unpleasantness, a mental state, a feeling of worry or agitation, and so then you then you then you begin to actually get to the point. So mindfulness is, is seen as conjoined with, with a, uh, what's called Sampajanya, which means um, clear comprehension. So you, you you clearly you you translate things into direct experience rather than to conceptual stuff. Sampajanya is this, this function. So we you know as we're practicing, we we may start to come up with these feelings of. I don't know what I'm doing, I'm this or I'm that, then some vaginians says, oh, this is doubt. Be mindful of doubt. Or you can come up with, they don't like me, nobody likes me here. You know, when it comes up in terms of them, me, you, me, us, him, her, we, it, all these personal pronouns, that's that's fine. I mean, that's the way we think. But then you, somebody kind translates that into: this is anxiety. Uh, natural enough. This is fear. This is uh, fascination. This is conceit. This is uh, longing. This is what. <coughs> so you, then you you're actually translating it into something that you can be mindful of, without building up this these patterns of, I'm always this way, I've got to stop being this way, why am I this way, why is he this way, why do they do this to me, it's happening again, I can't stop it, I can't, and all these things where we find ourselves just getting worked up into a, into a, a cul-de-sac, into a dead end of of um, self-obsessiveness. And then thinking, I shouldn't be self-obsessed, I've got to stop being thinking about myself. <laughs> must be my ego my rotten ego to get rid of my ego somehow what would be good for me to get help me get rid of my ego I know what I'll do I will. and then and we, and we often get into some really crazy stuff um, in order to get rid of our ego so, so you, one has already actually brought in a whole uh, way of, of thinking and considering that that, that doesn't lead out it doesn't doesn't lead to clarity or to to peace or to realization it leads to what's called the jungle the thicket of views the jungle of self and this is called unwise attention when we attend this way we consider, we think what am i who am i why am i where am i what was i who was i how was i what will I? When will I? How will I? Will I not? Or will I? <laughs> <laughs> do they and do I and do we and does she? And has he and don't they? These kind of... And it just I mean you do it for, as it's a fairly common habit for us then... Uh, I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of examples that have come up. But what it feels like? What does it feel like? You know, Oh, spinning, isn't it? Endlessly anguished and unanswerable. Because you, you never really know. You think, but you don't know. And there's this. this and it builds up over a period of years this, this hunger to try to, to, to try to find. to know, to get clear, to understand, to, to, to get this figured out. And that frustration. So then we I've got to do something about this. But then everything we do from that position just leads us into more of the same, same stuff. So when we practice, dharma practice from this point of view, you never get to the end of it. You've got to kind of add another one on top of it. You, know, you do a retreat of this and a course of that and you bolt on some of this and you clip on some of that and you add more, you know, kind of get so it becomes a whole industry <laughs> 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 and you think oh, this is difficult. I wish i would be something like a turtle or a... You know, they didn't seem to any problems. <laughs> You know, why is it so difficult for human beings just to be alive? So weighty, because actually the this is the process of unwise reflection makes it so. Wise reflection is uh, you actually directly consider. This is a feeling. This is a thought. Body this is um, physical feelings, and it changes, and they're not complete they're not they're not satisfied they're not uh, in a state of completion they're there's always something going wrong with them in one way because we ask more of them than they can really provide you, ask, you know, you don't ask you know, to do it consciously but intuitively you're asking the body to be well and feel good and it's doing the best it can but it, it just can't do it <laughs> It does remarkably well considering what a fragile arrangement it is (laughs) Uh, and what we do to them the kind of stuff we pump into them and the way we abuse them and then then there's this kind of bitterness about it because one asks it to be miraculous rather than just a function in nature whose nature is to be born, mature, age, break up, die it's not being gloomy about it. it's just that, that, so it, it's not like saying that the body's just a waste of time. But once you see it in perspective, then your whole attitude towards it is much more calm, mellow, reasonable, mm-hmm. rather than feeling affronted or shocked by, by its occasional lapses. You know, the so direct mindfulness is to see a body as a body. Like do, do your own body, and then the bodies around you. As, as is what can, you can see of forms, things that occupy a certain amount of visual space. And if you like, like you do, do this and just hold your attention on to that. <laughs> Actually, you make it so that your attention holds holds that you know, like for ten seconds or twenty seconds, not not huge amounts of time, just holding onto that and see and see what it feels like when it's like that. And you see bodies as bodies, rather than as people, or as, or making comparisons, or how we feel about them, or how they we think they feel about us, all this <laughs> stuff which is endless, and, and agitating, and, and makes one feel anxious, and never certain, and insecure. You know, you're going know, to you see how your mind operates, in a room with say 30 people, and you actually recognize 30, 40 people eating, eating meals, sitting there within feet of each other, these people and personalities there. What are they thinking about me? What are they feeling like? It can be quite nerve wracking. So often we we can't bear to be with each other in silence. We have to keep making some kind of gestures of of, um, kind of mollifying each other. You see them as just as bodies, and it, so that when a retreat is this understanding we can do this, it's not being unfriendly, just, like, just to see what it feels like, to see a body as a body, and leave it, just leave it at that point. That's all you need to know, you know? Human, human form. That's mostly a lot in a retreat, then you can do that, you know, to know anything more. Look at just what, it, what the mind feels like at right, the space, coolness. And you may even pick up within that, you may even pick up the uh, noticing that you know, the presence of other humans is different from sitting in a wood with trees around you. You don't think there's all these trees in here, I wonder what, wonder what they're thinking about me. <laughs> How do I look? Did I comb my hair today? Oh. It's just trees, so what? It's quite pleasant. But with human bodies, human forms, there's probably some anxiety there. And to witness that, well, what's the anxiety on? Is it about a physical form? No, it's about a conceptual person, a conceptual body a body, a personality that we infer, we can't, we don't know what it is, we infer it. And then there's all that self, me, you, and then the, the, the mind processes, the dhammas that arise from that mind state. Oh, and then it's, uh, you see what one's come up, I notice in my mind, anxiety pattern, feeling not good enough or not worthy or uncertain or uh, wanting to, wanted to make things right or please or, or you know placate something that isn't by itself hostile, which is a natural or not natural but habitual feeling of something that is mildly disapproving or mildly hostile, something that has to be made friends with because it's not otherwise. That yeah. kind of assumption. I don't know if you have this kind of pattern in your mind. Then you feel like a slight restless, anxious feeling. Mm. Subtle or gross. Yes. That's nothing to do with a body. That's nothing to do with a, a, a person. You can say this is habitual mental formation, and then to, for you practising mindfulness, you you don't have to have it or not have it, or project it outwards onto other people, or project it inwards onto self, saying, oh, "I'm really screwed up," you know, "I'm going to go and get my stuff looked at. I'm really in a mess." But you don't project it anywhere. It's this is a this is anxiety. This is doubt. This is aversion. It rises. It's present. It's conditioned by, say, visual contact. And by the sense of self. And just this, just this watchfulness. You see that it it has the nature to change, to arise, and to cease. You yeah, have to make it do so. Uh, There's a quality of direct, applied mindfulness. We wisely reflect upon an apparent experience. You know, this quality of Yoni Solmanes means that what, what we habitually feel ourselves to be experiencing, we wisely reflect on it, check it out. When it comes into one of these, I am, I'm not, I should, I shouldn't, he is, they are, we are, they aren't, experiences, then just look more closely and directly at and honestly at the way at the way it is. And as I said, don't project it onto a self, onto yourself, onto somebody else. The big habit can be to think that. I have these feelings, I am this way, I am this kind of a person, I am like this, my karma is this way or that way. <coughs> but for the process of mindfulness and wise reflection, that doesn't, that's not, that's not the means we are applying. However relevant or useful that may be in other contexts, using other systems and techniques and it doesn't, it, it isn't relevant to this. This is different. This is, you're just using Dhamma. Not to say that no other method has any use at all, but just to, to know what you're doing. So that you can use the, the use the Dhamma practices and Dhamma teachings for, and approach it in this way. And see, see what, what the results are. A lot of the time a, uh, because of not really establishing mindfulness and clear comprehension then we've already got a whole lot of stuff happening. There's a whole, a whole a load of whole things a whole lot of things arising. So not seeing body as body, through so not seeing feelings as feelings. So we've got particular habits about uh, physical feelings, about mental feelings, certain locks, certain uh, indulgences, certain repressions, certain blocks against them mm. which come off in the I shouldn't, I shouldn't feel that, shouldn't feel angry mm. so immediately that it's actually, it's, it's, it's shut it down before you've even experienced it because mm. you know, you, you, one is trained quite thoroughly uh, in the various shame, guilt, punishment, <coughs> approval systems, so that you know you don't you don't feel angry. You, know? you feel a bit sort of flat and depressed, or but you don't feel angry because you naturally never allowed it to happen. You know? So you get this sort of strange, alienated, sort of confused state because actually you shut off your the, your vitality, and you don't feel um, you don't feel sexual desire or you don't feel animosity or you don't feel jealous or you don't feel these things because they're not proper things to feel, and <laughs> we have to feel proper things not improper things because of the self isn't it? and yet, you know, you you consider as anybody Never felt any of those things. Are those terms totally ununderstandable concepts like jealousy? I wonder what that means. <laughs> 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 What's that? I never heard of that. Guilt. 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 Have to look it up in a dictionary. Guilt. You know? Passion. Me. So, so yeah, we understand these things because they are one does feel them. But yet. So often from the point of view of self, they're, they're unallowable, they're not acceptable to feel. So actually to, to feel the feelings in the feelings can be uh, and to can be, have its difficulties in that uh, even without conscious doing it anymore, the, the habit has come in to actually shut it off immediately. <coughs> So one of the uh, things we, we're doing on a retreat, just by changing our energies, uh, so the energies we're putting into practice and are no longer so so goal-oriented, so uh, don't have so much of that repressive quality. Mm-hmm. So that sometimes it's just quite soft and gentle, and nothing much is happening, and it's quiet, and, and in that you actually just. Energetically creating a, a situation which allows things to surface. Those uh, things surfacing. Oh, things are going wrong. I'm not meditating properly. I'm starting to feel alive. <laughs> 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 oh, you, know, you know, this isn't this isn't in the book. Uh, feel a bit confused and it, it's not all happening in nice little regular patterns of stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four. You do this and you go to this stage. I'm not in control anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like I should be. That's so, <coughs> why you, you have to be really aware and, and keep assessing and remembering the meditation. <coughs> Consider it. Because you can't expect to get it right, you know. To get act there's bound to be certain amounts of denial, repression, wanting to be this, wanting to get something out of it. But then, then through the practice of why, you know, where's the suffering? What's what's dukkha? What's self? What's the permanence that we're looking for? What's the uh, you know? And then we're bringing ourselves back to just the body. The quality of mind, the quality of awareness. Does the awareness feel constricted, dark, or just always vibrating? Right? it's trembling, mm-hmm. or is it, or is it just black out a lot, so that you know if you can't sustain attention? It just keeps kind of blacking out, or it's just strangely unsettled. So as you practice, uh, say. Third foundation of mindfulness: mindfulness of of, of the mind, mindfulness of, of the mind's awareness. You know, when we say mind, I don't mean um, what you think, or uh, you know, or even especially what you feel. I mean the space within which these occur, the mind consciousness within <coughs> which these occur. Does it feel like tremendous? Like, is it always in a state where it feels like something to be doing, getting on? And, you know, like like a, an anxious drive hmm? to accumulate something or find something, or no? Is it like that? There always there's that feeling of of vacuity where you, you go into this. Your mind kind of feels helpless a lot of the time. Like I don't understand what. What am I? Where am I? What? Uh, oh. You know, it's like it's falling down a, a hole, of, and there's this little thing like a child trying to find a hand to clutch hold of. Mm-hmm. Or is it like a kind of resentment there, of, you know, sort of, you know, like you almost want to be fighting something? Or is it bright, joyful? Or is it just spacing out, you know, like goodbye planet Earth? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> off. So it doesn't really matter as long as you get the direct, direct reference to it rather than believe in the projections that it brings up, or feel bad about it, or feel good about it, <coughs> like, like, this is what I am. And then if you put attention onto these, and the proper kind of attention, so like yesterday we were talking a little bit about kindness and compassion, this. Helping to use these uh, means to to check out the way in which one is attending, the way in which one is watching. So if attention is balanced, or we're beginning to learn to balance it, then these things will tend to open, and you'll see within them. You'll see through them. You'll see the underlying formations of uh, self of uh, denial, of or distraction, of or longing, feeling of inadequacy, or, or aversion, aversion to one's parent self, and bitterness. Be very patient with this. Don't try to, to sort it out, but, uh, so that you, you, know, you feel you're, you're, you're doing something and you're going to be something. Just keep witnessing and watching that these things are changeable, they rise and they cease. Very important, this is what mindfulness does, it does this internally, externally, whether it's apparently within oneself or apparently outside oneself, it's just this that rising and ceasing. It sounds kind of dry and, and pointless and even cold-hearted but it, it, it's actually providing a, uh, a very compassionate and balanced standard that can be said about all of it. And if that point is made, you know, that, that witnessing is this way, it's not that you're thinking these things and trying to just plaster over um, your experience with some Buddhist concept but just to bear with something as it arises, to, to, to open to something as it arises, to stay with it as it's present, to watch it when it ends. It's this kind of an encouragement. And you'll find within that that the, the facilities of calm, the facilities of kindness, the facilities of patience will naturally arise with that process. They, they accompany it by themselves. You don't have to kind of bring them up. They, they, they accompany mindfulness. If you're not trying to, you know, but if you're practicing it impermanence in order to make things go away, then they don't. You're saying, you're in, this thought is impermanent, go on, push off. Then, then this isn't mindfulness. It's, it's witnessing flow and change. So consider also impermanence is, is a sign of the relativity of things. You know, even if something is, is, a, is moving very slowly, the, the, just the fact that one can observe it means that, it's, that there's a relativity there. There's a sense of this occurs at a point in space or time, and there is an awareness that is separate from that. So so impermanence also means that that nothing that, that you experience is actually ultimate or total. It's always just the relative, fragmentary part of your total sphere of experience. So sometimes you can actually experience things that are quite painful, like emotionally painful, physically painful, but and around it there's a kind of quietness, like a silence or peacefulness around that particular feeling. And this is so when, when there's this is an example of, of how mindfulness works because it, through its experience of impermanence occurs with, within a context. To experience something as impermanent, there has to be something around it or other than it to, to do that witnessing. So if we fully, if we fully attend like, to, a, to a thought or a, or a mood or an emotion, you can recognize that, that thought or mood or emotion may be <laughs> vibrating or beating or, or worrying or whining or whatever. And then there can be this silent listening around it. And that comes through direct direct attention. Makes us recognize the sphere of the mind, the sphere of consciousness, rather than just the objects of it. One-pointedness alone doesn't do that. One-pointedness isn't by itself samadhi, or the, which is the result of mindfulness. One-pointedness alone is not samadhi. So because we can one-pointedly obsess without wise reflection, um, without mindfulness, without experiencing the, 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 the object of our attention in a kind of silent space. And when, so one-pointedness can be accompanied by Uh, a tremendous amount of tension or fascination or identification. Like if you're one-pointed on a football match, you you can be so into it that you don't notice anything. You don't notice you feel hungry or you don't notice the... if you're really one-pointed you might not even notice the weather. You're so mesmerized. This is not samadhi. And it's not mindful. Mindfulness, when there's direct attention, is a kind of space around things. So if you don't, if you're, when you're meditating, you don't experience that. You experience just being stuck into uh, into various states. Then mindfulness is not is not established properly. And generally you, you have these uh, four foundations body, feeling, mind and mind processes uh, and mostly you find you, you're stuck in mind processes this is where you, the, end, you know, the, the end of the line that uh, you, know, you just feed yourself to be going through worry or guilt or kinds of the crazy stuff and then you're trying to be mindful of it but you, you can't do it you tend to not rather be mindful, you tend to just think it or be capsized by it all. The process so then a wise reflection, assess this and you, you go back, if you like, you go from the fourth foundation to the third. So it's like if you're feeling a lot of, of m- uh, emotional or, or, or mental stuff, then try to be aware of, of the mind. Rather than what's going on within it. So this is rather like, like um, where do where do your thoughts occur? So just that that kind of reflection. Where where who is this happening to? Or where does where does the thought occur? Where is the where is that mood? Where is that uh, fear or worry occurring? And that if you like brings you out of. Uh, a mode whereby even though you're kind of witnessing things, you're not mindful of it, you're just involved with it all, to a position where you can actually see something in context. Try thinking a thought deliberately to actually bring up a thought in a way of saying, uh, to see the beginning and the ending of a thought, where, where is a thought? And you get a sense of a kind of a space and a thought pops up and passes away. To be aware of the mind within which things occur. So you go from that foundation to that foundation. And then you go back. And you find that there's more calm or more um, uh, reference possible that way. if you're caught in the mind that is is, as you you get too the the sign of it is becoming too apparently self-obsessed you say you're you're in your head all the time or you're you're, you're in your heart all the time, you're kind of stuck into into the the mind being self being held into the mind look at the feeling the feelings about the mental feeling. Painful, pleasant, neutral. It's simple enough. Try to refer to, to it in this way. So that simplicity takes you out of the complex drama and uh, obsessiveness of thinking. You look at the, go back to the feeling, it's a pleasant feeling, it's a painful feeling, it's a neutral feeling. And from that you can always go back to, right back to body. So quite often when we're not able to, to wisely attend and be mindful of mind states, or even physical feelings. You just get caught in, in uh, you have a painful physical feeling and you get into this state of pushing against it or tensing up against it or wondering whether I should move my leg or whatever, this kind of thing. Go back to, to the body. Mm-hmm. And the body as a reference provides a place of coolness. So these are four foundations, and so that in the dynamic of, of practice, then uh, they are reference points for us. <coughs> we may consider that. Uh, you know what we need to do is work out our mental stuff you know our habits our, our weak points which are mental processes which is true enough but in order to be able to do that you have to be you, there's no point just getting obsessed you know where, where you're focusing on your stuff but you're not you're not doing it in a mindful way you're doing it in an I am way <laughs> or a way that doesn't provide you with the spaciousness to see it as impermanent. Therefore one should establish, uh, one should practice mindfulness of body, mindfulness of feeling. Mindfulness of your mind, That's mindfulness, well, so the, and the mind includes the, the, the attitude about meditation. Yeah. The, mind, the mind is always present. You know, you can't not so if you can put the mind down somewhere and then meditate on it. You know, the the meditator is the mind. Mm. <laughs> so the very views, the attitudes, the uh, that we have in our meditation, about meditation, are the mind. Mm. So but then so you, you contemplate like is your whether this is about self or not self. Uh, whether it leads out to to peace, to dispassion, to coolness, to, to ease, or whether it's leading to kind of more need, more demand, more tension, more uh, uh, obsession with oneself. Whether it's leading to repression and denial and transference. Whether it's another kind of uh, longing to be gratified by something, fulfilled by something. Not that these are anything, there's nothing wrong with these as such, but if one witnesses then the very process, if you don't witness then the process of meditation will be the mind's uh, weaknesses being concentrated. And you know on these retreats you can get very concentrated. But what you concentrate isn't always the (laughs) right things. (laughs) Mindfulness is 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 leads out. Needs to release. Needs to freedom, rather than further becoming and, and amassing. So so remember that, you know, we keep referring to to mind, mind, mind stuff, and then body feelings. For say for the body is always considered a very uh, uh, helpful and appropriate Just for developing the flexibility of attention. So because of the body, you can focus on a particular small (laughs) point, like in your foot or your head or your chest or somewhere. And you can focus on a large area, so just the entire body. You can focus on the body as the experience of movement as you're walking along or the experience of stillness. You can focus it in terms of its warmth or its coolness you can even focus on the liquidity of the, of the body like the saliva and the fluids in the body. So you can say so that you can do a number of things, a number of modes of attention from the small to the, to the vast, to the large. From the, the stillness, the refined points, to to the to, uh, to very wide points, to the fact to movement itself, just a very uh, moving quality. So you can be with a moving sign, so as the breathing in and out, as it flows and moves, walking up and down as you flow and move. So the mindfulness of the body is is, is a very good exercise for attention. It has these different. Gestures in it. It keeps your attention supple. You stay, stay with it. Practice with it. It's a very good workout. Practicing uh, uh, metta, kindness, and uh, compassion towards a the body. They mm. so can do like what they call body sweeping, where you focus on just a, like having a moving point that moves slowly, rather like a trickling raindrop over, your, over the surface of your body and you keep your attention with that. It's rather like giving yourself a, a subtle massage as you go over that, follow that line of attention slowly down your back, over your arms, you, know, you form a kind of route, or route, as they say, for, if you're, for your attention to, to kind of move around. And just picking up, discerning whatever feeling is there, whether it's neutral or nothing special, bright, vibrant, tingling, and then going again over it, and the next time going over it, just putting something in first time you you witness what's there, second time, you put in that is you 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 uh, suffuse that point with. Kindness with, with ease, with relaxation, with brightness, so that you can you can then develop this this, this function, and if these the these uh, practices uh, all will mature into one point, which is wise attention wise understanding, wise reflection. And with that, you have what you need to focus on any point, whether it's a feeling, a thought, a sense of being trapped, a sense of being uh, ill at ease, any point, And practice with it, practice Dhamma with it. Whether it appears to be because of somebody else, or because of yourself, or because of the past, or because of the future. Mm -hmm. These projections, it's now here. This is Dhamma practice.